Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David and as always I am joined by the medicinal Matt. Hello there. Well, hello there Matt, yeah. Um, we are talking about the Sanang... Let's try that one again. <laughs> we are talking about the Saranga conundrum this week. We are, we are. Uh, an episode that is... Um, as challenging to say as it is to watch, <laughs> potentially. Uh, I, won't, I won't give away my thoughts. <laughs> we shall um, we shall get to that in the fullness of time. Uh, before then, we've we've got some we've got some other stuff to go through. Uh, not least of all, um, round two of uh, the Weedy Big Quiz. Yeah, yeah. We got off to a both... bit of a flyer um, oh. last week, so ready yeah. to see where we go from there. There's only one direction it's going in, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, how's your week been, Matt? Uh, not bad. Now that we're not doing Would I Lie to Who, um, I usually make little notes of funny things just so I can throw them in there. Uh, yeah. So I don't know how to segue them into the show other than maybe just start like a new segment called like Musings of the Week. Matt. I'm I'm sorry, I'm putting my foot down. We are not introducing <laughs> new more segments. All right, well our episode uh, just I mean, if you could if you can find a way to crowbar it in, fine, but but um our episodes are already getting absurdly long. Okay, okay. I'll I'll see if I can segue it in. <laughs> just see if you can guess at any point of today's episode when I'm trying to segue in. Just something from the week. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be a fun game for our listeners, eh? Yeah. Um All right, so come on, let's but, let's um let's get the most important one out of the way first of all. Meal of the week. Okay. Well, my meal of the week, it's kind of tied into my television highlight of the week. Oh great, two for one, let's go for and, it. And when I say television, it's not television. <laughs> of course not. No. So my meal of the week on Monday evening, yeah. finished work, and drove through to York, and just by myself, just by myself, mm-hmm. I had a, a night out by myself, and oh, every so often I, I quite like, like, just a night to myself. It's one of my favourites, don't get to do it very often these days, but uh, I highly recommend it. So I drove through to York, and I had something to eat. In a pub, it used to be called Varsity, but I think it's called the Old Bank now. Hmm. Okay. So I just had a spicy burger, fries, onion rings. Mm-hmm. Watched a bit of American Hand Egg. Lovely. Um, because I was a bit early, but my entertainment of the week is later that night. I went to see the Manic Street Preachers live. Oh, excellent. First time since lockdown I've been to see like live music. It was amazing. Mm. Yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't managed to get to, out to a gig yet since, uh, since lockdown. Um, I'm hopeful that next year opportunities shall arise. But uh, yeah, how, how, how was Manic Street Preachers? Uh, they're, they're one of the best live bands I've ever seen. Like they sound, yeah, like, I've seen them live a few times. Mm. Um, and funnily enough, I think the next band I'm seeing live is the Manic Street Preachers. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're brilliant. Definitely value for money. They, they were the last band I saw before 
lockdown started. Then I booked tickets to go see the Killers with the Mannix supporting, but that's been postponed by two years. So then I saw they were playing in York, so I booked tickets and went this Monday. It was brilliant. Yeah. Excellent. And I had a, a lovely pint of premium lager. Mmm. Well, that, that segues neatly into my meal of the week, um, which was um, Friday evening. Got back from work. Do you, I don't know if you remember, Matt. Friday, it was ridiculously hot for October. Guess what? Yeah. Had a secret day off on Friday. Uh, my, my school just nice. closed. Why was that? I don't know. We just have like a random day off in the middle of October. Oh. Couldn't have been next Friday though, when it's my birthday. Yeah, I was going to say it's all right for some, isn't it? I was I was sweating in a horrible stuffy office, um, and then had had to get both a bus and a train to get home. So by the time I got home, I was you know just in a state. I was deeply uncomfortable. So uh, no messing about. Straight into the fridge, bottle of innocent gun. Oh, nice. Just regular. Oh, just, blood red just regular. Uh, couldn't I, I, it, I, I was, it was actually a bottle that my brother had left with me when he popped over for a, for a game of Keyforge the other day. Um, so um, I was beholden to his whims, so it wasn't Blood Red Sky, though I would say that's probably my favourite yeah. of Innocent Guns. Uh, but but uh, it, nonetheless, it was just, you know, bang on the money. I was so worried you were going to say I got a nice bottle of water. We've been here before. <laughs> yeah, not quite. Um, but yeah, so any any uh, do you want to do do the gamut? Did you eat anything else interesting today? Uh, I don't think I did breakfast today. Um, for lunch, Ooh. I had a nice sandwich and a mug of soup. Mm. And. What did I have for tea? Oh, my wife got these things from Morrison's that are like Yorkshire puddings, but flat. And then you roll your Sunday dinner up in it and eat it like a burrito. (laughs) So I had like a bit of savoury mince and veg in a burrito. Is that what they call fusion cuisine? I, I I don't know. Like... That is baffling to me. I'm not sure how I feel about it. <laughs> uh, speaking of baffling, yeah, this uh, this kind of gives away one of my stories of the week. Uh, I don't know no, if I should it. tell it. When I was at work this week, I was just walking down one of the corridors in my school, and one of the cleaners was mopping the wall. <laughs> And were you just thinking, like, what has happened like, there? I just went and... You, you know that Limmy sketch where it's pound of feathers, pound of steel? And he's like, I just don't get it. <laughs> it was like that. I just went and sat back down in my classroom and I was like, I, I cannot think of a reason to mop the walls. <laughs> Who knows? So that, that's Who one knows? of my interesting stories of the week. Excellent. Good stuff. Um... um I don't yeah. know. Did we get your television highlight of the week? I don't know that we did. Um, I guess maybe the first 45 minutes of Black Widow, because that's all I've managed to watch so far. Okay. 
So far, so good. I'll, I'll update you in a couple of weeks um, when I finally finished it. Um, I mean, I won't spoil it for you, but I, I'd say you probably watched the best 45 minutes. <laughs> Potentially. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems fine. It, it, I can't help but feel like with that one, it's sort of too little too late. Mm. Like, it, it, it kind of frustrates me that they they very seamlessly like, stuck into the dialogue enough indicators that you realise, oh, this is taking place sort of more or less immediately post-Civil War, but pre-Avengers uh, Infinity War. Yep. Um, so, great. I know where it is on the timeline, but also I'm like, so why didn't you just make this film then? You know? Yeah. It, it, it's frustrating to me that, that Marvel was so late to the party with with that um but hey ho you know i can't i can't really cast aspersions for being late to the party when i'm only watching it now it's freely available on disney plus um have you watched the end of what if i haven't yet no i'm i I need to finish off what if i need to finish off loki as well but you know black widow showed up on my feed and it was like oh new and shiny so I jumped straight on that, but only got managed to get 45 minutes of it done before I had to uh, call it a day. Have you made any progress on Mist this week? <laughs> what do you think, Matt? Uh, I'd like to think so. I, I'm a man of hope. <laughs> You'd be sorely disappointed. You know what? I'm going to make a, make a commitment here and now. I'm going to have a couple of weeks off over Christmas. I will finish Mist before the year is out. If, if you finish Mist before the end of the year, I'll stick another tenner into the Wheelie Big Quiz. <laughs> I'll do my level best. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that... So, yeah, it's, I've, I've, to be honest, I've not watched a lot of telly this week. The only other thing I've watched of note was I, I watched the first episode of Why the Last Man because I am a huge fan of the comics. Mm-hmm. It's a few years since I've read them, but it is one of my favourite runs of comics, period. I think, I think I've read, like, the first graphic novel collection, mm. and I thought it was really good, and then just never went back to it. It Honestly, if you enjoyed the start, pick it up again, just bang through the whole lot. It is such a satisfying like journey start to finish it never really lets up it's an incredible bit of writing um great characters great dialogue um a lot of color and vivacity to it i mean in the artwork and stuff the because despite the fact it's technically post-apocalyptic there is a real sense of fun about it Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's not your typical bleak, grey, post-apocalyptic kind of thing, which is why I will say the first episode of the TV show was bitterly disappointing for me. Why is it I, all dark and grim? It, it, they seem to have sucked all the joy out of it. Um, apart from anything else, I, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, it's a long time since I've read the the the, the early comics at this point, but I'm pretty sure they get the whole men being wiped out incident done and dusted in about three pages uh-huh. it takes the entire first hour the first episode just to get to that point in the show and it just feels like they're milking it and they've that the the wit of the dialogue doesn't seem to be there for me i'm gonna stick with it i'm gonna give it at least one more episode but 
so far, it's a classic case, it feels like, of someone taking the source material and missing the point of what made it good. Um, so a bit of a bit of a disappointment that. Oh wow. Uh, anyway, um, shall we? I think we've we've done enough beating around the bush, haven't we? Let's uh, yeah. let's get to the main event. Yeah. Which isn't our review of the Saranga conundrum. No, I thought the main event was just an update that uh, I did go back to the opticians yesterday, picked my glasses up, and that's all fine. Oh great! Uh, I've ordered mine online. So I'm still waiting for them to arrive. But uh, yeah, I'll let you know, listeners, because this is the thing that we are that you're most interested in, right? Yeah. The the, the spectacle status of the pair of us. Yeah. If um, if you wanted a new exciting story, I bought some new trousers this week, and uh, I was so convinced that they're probably the best trousers I've ever worn that I bought mm. three more pairs of identical trousers. Yeah, I I, I can respect that. Yeah. That that was my amazing story of the week. So look forward to more of that next week as part of our new weekly newses segment. Yeah, just put these trousers on and just thought, uh, do you know what? Great trousers. I think I need more in my life. It was time to rest, would I lie to who, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Give it a break till the new year. It's like the master. You don't want to see it come back straight away. No, you don't. You don't. You've got. To, you've got to kind of earn that. Yeah. Um, okay. Right then. Wheelie big quiz. Is it time for the wheelie big quiz? I think it is. I don't think you listened back to last week's episode, David. But the wheelie big quiz has got its own theme music now. It's taken has the it? nation by storm. Oh, that's I- imagine a robot voice saying yeah. wheelie big quiz, and then some eighties game show music. Oh, I might have to go back and listen to that then. Yeah. That's um, as usual, Matt. Your your dedication to editing is far but ex- exceeds my own. Yeah. Well, you don't have to go back and listen to it, David, because I'm going to play it right now. Oh. Really big quiz. Right, David. Really big quiz. Do you want an update? I do. Okay. Thanks to the donations that we have received. We've received a couple, mainly from Jacobus X, Mm -hmm. which makes me wonder what's everyone else doing with their time. I can see how many people listen to this pod. I'm going to go like Bob Geldof, you know, give us your f***ing money. Is that that what he said at Live 8? I believe so. Yeah. 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 That's me now. That's my catchphrase. Excellent. <laughs> right, so the good news is, David, we're now up to £25. And oh, the good news excellent. there is that is sufficient that we have provided oxygen masks for 31 children. That in itself is is fantastic news. Yeah. Imagine when we double it and we're up to 62 children now. That's the dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, another update, David... You may not yes. remember, but this week, all questions have been submitted by the curator, BT Flibbity Giggard. Oh, you know what? I had forgotten that. That's terrifying to me. <laughs> right. Now, I haven't verified these questions, so I hope Trust in the curator. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, as always, we're raising a little bit of money this year. 
and mm -hmm. this year our chosen charity is David. It is uh, Medicine Sans Frontier, aka Doctors Without Borders. So the rules of the game are six questions, in keeping with the Trivial Pursuit theme, David. Even though they've come from BT Flibbity Giggard, same topics. Oh, excellent! Each question's worth one pound. If you get them all right, David, the total jumps up to ten pounds, and this year you have the option to gamble. Yeah. Are you sitting comfortably, David? Um, yes, apart from... I, I did mention before we hit record this week, listeners, that I, I, I did my neck in when I was sleeping last night. I slept really awkwardly on it. So literally every time I move my head a tiny bit, it hurts. So apart from that, yes, I'm sitting comfortably, Matt. Okay. Right, well, question one, David, comes from the topic Time Wars. Yes. Now, there's a few words in here that I'm not sure how to pronounce, so I might just need your help. Okay. So, I think this is taken from the story... Is it the Ribos Operation? Ah, the Rebos Operation, yeah. Okay. In which the Doctor gave Romanedvortelendundra... <laughs> Romana for short. Yeah. yeah. Two options for nicknames. The one that stuck was Romana, but what was the other option? Was it A, Vora, B, Fred, C, Lundar, or D, Harry? Oh. I watched the Reboss operation not that long ago, a few months ago. I want to say it's Fred. That feels very Tom Bakery. Okay, well, the good news is, David, the answer is B, it's Fred. Ah, oh, yes. Okay. Now, BT Flippity Giggard has been kind enough that all these questions are multiple choice, David. Fantastic. Okay. It's good to hear. So, question two comes from the topic companions. Mm-hmm. Which villain ordered Turlo to join the TARDIS as a companion with the mission of killing the Doctor? Mm -hmm. Is it A, the Master, B, Omega, C, the White Guardian, or D, the Black Guardian? That would be D, the Black Guardian. Yeah, even I knew that one. Yeah, you've watched Enlightenment. Yeah. Uh, I dream about it every time I close my eyes on the night. Yeah. Okay, question three. Episodes and stories. Which story featured the first appearance of another member of the Doctor's species besides the Doctor and Susan? Is it A, the Daleks' master plan? B, the War Games, C, the Time Meddler, or D, the Chase. Okay, now of those, the only one that I've not seen is the Daleks' Master Plan. However, I'm pretty confident that it is uh, the Time Meddler. David, you are three for three. Well done. Yes! Now, here comes the stumbling block, David. It's years uh -huh. and dates. Okay. Okay, so this question comes from the adventure The Chase. So okay. The Chase features the Doctor, Ian, Barbara and Vicky fleeing the Daleks across time and space. But which of these times and places do they not visit? Okay. So there's three that they do and one that they don't. 
Okay. Your options, David, are Scotland in 1746, New York City in 1966, the Mary Celeste in 1872, and a haunted house in Ghana in 1996. I'm curious, Matt, what your answer would be for that, having not seen the chase yet. Which do you think is the least plausible of those? Uh, I'd probably have gone for a haunted house in Ghana in 1996. Well, I can tell you that... Um, I can't remember... If, uh, is, would you now, like the answers the again? Is, no, 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 I'm just thinking, is the curator playing mind games with me? Because I know I know they definitely visit a haunted house in an episode of The Chase. It is brilliant. But I didn't know it was in Ghana, and that's making me wonder, is that just a sneaky little extra detail he's popped in there? Just to trip me up. But, I, but I'm going to stick to my guns, Matt. I do not recall them visiting uh, Scotland in the 1700s at any point during the chase. So I am going with that as my answer. David, I've got some bad news. Mm-hmm. You've just cost me another pound. You're four out hey. of four. <laughs> it was in Ghana. Yeah, apparently. Man, I, need, I need to re-watch the chase. <laughs> That's what we're definitely going to do one day, by the way, Matt. Right. It is bonkers. I, I, think, <laughs> I think the fact the haunted house is in Ghana, I don't know how you've overlooked that detail, David. <laughs> The, the fact that the show didn't make a big deal out of it is just, yeah. Uh, I suppose man. once you're in a haunted house, it doesn't really matter where you are. Yeah, that's the, it, it's a trip, that story, <laughs> Matt. It is a trip. Um, right, okay. Okay, next, next question. Question five is from the topic monsters. So, okay. this question comes from the story The Five Doctors, David. Right. In The Five Doctors... Worth mentioning... If what's our target for doing a bonus episode on the five doctors? Uh, I can't remember. I think it's two hundred pounds, maybe. Yeah. So just something to keep in mind, listeners. If you want, if you want us to uh, tackle that one before the end of the year. So, in the five doctors, the doctors encounter a number of monsters in the death zone. Which of the following monsters were included? So this time you're looking for the one that was there, David. Okay. Is it A the Chumblees? Mm-hmm. B, the Yeti, mm-hmm. C, the Zygons, or D, the Autons? Now, I have only seen the Five Doctors once, and it was a long time ago at this point. So, just run them past me again. Okay. I'll, I'll sort of... A, the yeah. Chumblees, B, the no. Yeti, C, the Zygons, or D, the Autons? See, I'm, I, can't, I can't picture any of them in it. Um, like, I remember the Dalek Cybermen, uh, the Rastan Warrior robot. I mean, who can forget that? But... Oh, this is going to be a total stab in the dark. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dismiss the Chumblies. Or am I? Yeah, I think I am. Um... I'm going to say Autons. You're going for Autons. I'm going for Autons. I'm not confident. Uh, your confidence, you know, should have been placed in option B, the Yeti. 
It was the yes. Uh, that would have been my second choice. Uh, mm, yeah. Still opportunity for you to get five pounds for the week, though, David. Okay. Okay. Final question: Cast, crew, and beyond. Which future name? Sorry, which future big name in science fiction left his position as designer on Doctor Who a week before the work on the Daleks began? Is it A. Alfonso Cuaron, B. Roy Ward Baker, C. James Cameron, or D. Ridley Scott? I believe that would be D. Ridley Scott. David, £5 for the week. I'm frustrated with myself, Matt. That that elusive was, was, six out of six. Mm, I just can't seem to get it, can I? No. You know what that means? We're going to have to gamble. You're going to have to gamble. Well, let me just flip through my book and stop at a run. Okay, there we go. Right, David, so you got five out of five, so I can read you five lines. From my okay. notes for this episode. If you correctly guess the episode, I'll double you five pounds and give you ten. Nice. Line one. The Doctor is fiddling with the TARDIS. That does not narrow it down. it down a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> okay. Line two. Rose says goodbye and mentions her cousin Mo. Okay, so Rose, that puts us probably most likely in series one or two, but you know she does pop up in series four as well. Uh, okay, and cousin Mo, that doesn't really bounce with me. So come on, that that we'll do the third one. Rose kisses Mickey goodbye. She says, "I love you." Sorry, he says, "I love you." And she just says goodbye. Hmm. Is this from the start of the episode? Or is it just random? No, these are the first five lines of the episode. First five lines, right, okay. Okay. What is going on here? Right, that's, that feels very episode endy to me. But, um, right, okay, give me the next line. Bad Wolf is written. What is going on with Bad Wolf? Okay, right. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere. You might as well give me the final line, just so I can try and cinch it. The Doctor says they're going further than they've ever gone before. And I'll tell you what, I'll give you the sixth line for free. The titles. So that is an entire <laughs> pre-title scene. Okay. So it's got to be series one. Um, I think that is the end of the world. Right. I'm going to read you the next line of my notes. Mm, I've done it wrong, haven't I? Oh. They're in the year five billion and twenty-three. They are on planet New Earth. Oh, bollocks. Yeah. Yeah. You see, I don't re I, I barely rewatched that one because I hate it so much. Yeah. Well, uh, there's a lesson to be learnt there, David. Mm. 
So we're up to five pounds for the week. Mm. Well, I had a good old stab at it. Yeah, you gave it the old, you know, the old try. And that's all we mm. can ask of you, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think in this current run, up until Christmas, you are going to get six out of six? I don't know. I'm not confident. I'll put it that way. Part, I mean, I part, never have so far. Part of me thinks the first time you get six out of six, I might even double, double it and make it 20 <laughs> quid. Just because I'll be so proud of you. Yeah. It's, it just goes to show, like, I'm, uh, to, to, the average, to the average onlooker, I like, l- might look like a man who is weirdly into Doctor Who. Like, more than is a, is a sensible amount. I think, but, I, I think I'd agree with that, yeah. Yeah, but I'm still not a patch on a, a lot of the fans out there. There are some people who are truly dedicated to the minutiae of this show. Well. In a way that I could only dream of being. Let's hope that that's the case next week, David. Would you like me to reveal your opponent for next week? Oh, yeah, go for it. Okay, so as mentioned on last week's pod... I have reached out, and they have confirmed they're happy to take part, though they haven't sent me the mm-hmm. questions yet. I'm sure they'll get <clears> round to it. Yeah. If you're listening to this, you've probably got about 24 hours till we record, so get a move <laughs> on, get a shift on. But next week, David, you will be playing against James Courtney. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I, d- I, don't imagine, uh, I don't imagine that's going to be an easy one. No, but just remember, James, this is all in the spirit of fun. Don't try and embarrass David by asking him really niche questions. Okay? He's got to have a chance. I'll take it as it comes. I think BT Flibbity Giggard's done really well this week. Yeah, yeah. Those are some great questions. And it's, you know, um, especially the... (sighs) Classic Who, you know, I I love it, um, but I... It's, I didn't grow up with it, so a, a lot of it I've only seen once, maybe twice at most. So um, um, I'm not a font of all knowledge when it comes to classic Who, but I, I do my level best. Yeah. Right. Don't, um, don't be upset through the week, David, that you got one wrong. I can tell by the tone in your voice, it's eating you up. <laughs> I honestly, my colleagues are going to be baffled. They're just going to see me just furiously mashing away at my keyboard uh, all week in the office, just going... Yeti, I say Yeti. Yeah. yeah, like when you leave for lunch and they look at your notepad and you've just written five out of six over and over again. <laughs> uh, anyway, Matt, speaking of uh, James Courtney, um, the, 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 the wonderful curator, uh, have any of our listeners been in touch this week to share their thoughts on the Saranga conundrum? Oh, they have. Have they also, yet? do you think that I am at any point going to get a clean take of me saying that the episode right. title? Right. We'll, we'll just do what we used to do with Cool Tweet Bro. You say <laughs> it once now, and then I can just edit it in. Okay, right. Okay, I'm just going to do a, uh, have a quick swig of tea just to uh, yeah. wet the whistle. Ah, right, deep breath. The Saranga Conundrum. There we go. Now, I've just realised when I've scrolled down in my tweets to this, David, there's also the one I sent you off the back of last week's chat 
where I thought I'd take a bite out of a four-finger Kit Kat rather than the standard two. Yeah, I mean, that's just pure insanity. Yeah. Even I wouldn't do that, Matt. Yeah, well, got to start practising what you preach. Right, <laughs> David, first message this week comes from John Samisquez. Do you want to say hello to John, David? Hi, John. Your name doesn't ring a bell to me. Are you uh, a new addition to uh, the to the to the gang? It's certainly a listener of Married to Who. Do you want to say hello to the Married to Who crew, David? Hello, Married to Who crew. Uh, because I recognise his Twitter handle of Jury of One. I think he's gone by a couple of different names. International well, anyway, man of mystery. Lovely to to have uh, John's thoughts for this for this week. Okay, and they say I thought it was pretty fun. The pregnant guy was surprisingly the best written part in it, and the Pating was a really fun monster. Not really much more to it. The Saranga conundrum. Okay. The next message comes from James Swift, who wasn't Swift this week, but will we'll persevere. Mm-hmm. He says, It's a weird one. I like what it's going for, an outer space ambulance, but it, it feels like there's way too many plots to follow. However, I will defend the Pating for as long as I can. It's genius, and I think it's a brilliant concept. The Saranga Conundrum. The next message comes from Amy. Say hello, David. Hello, Amy. Amy just simply says, the Pating is a fun creature. Yeah, I think that's going to be a common theme. The Saranga Conundrum. We then have Ariel. Say hello, David. Hi, Ariel. Who says, it's pretty meh, but not nearly as bad as some people say. I like the character moments we get, and the Pating is cute. A middle-of-the-road Doctor Who episode. The Saranga Conundrum. Okay. Then we have Frank. Say hello, David. Hello, Frank. Who says, suffers probably worse than any other episode from the Chibnall-era writing problems, as well as feeling weirdly cheap compared to the rest of the era. Even so... There's some stuff to enjoy in there. Excuse me, just did a little windy pop burp there. I like the idea of the movie Alien, but with an overly adorable alien. Actually, I just remembered that shot of Yaz booting the creature across the room. 10 out of 10, perfect episode. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have to address that moment for sure. The Saranga conundrum. Then we have James Courtney, next week's challenger. Mm, hello James and James says the most important thing is and then he sent us a picture where I think he's been buying in bulk Nopper's Nut Bars (laughs) Uh, except I think he's gone for a variation I think he's got Nopper's Milk Bars oh crikey is that a thing they seem a little bit like a Stroop Waffle but with like a lovely milk creme in them oh you know what we're going to have to do next week then, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Right. So. James says, anyway, enough of Nopper's nuts, as if there is such a thing. Let's talk about the episode. So let's get my TARDIS segment out of the way. But how may you ask, the interior isn't seen in this episode. Yes, but they somehow designed a better one this week. That circular control panel is gorgeous. Why can't we have that instead? Anyway, the set design <laughs> is top-notch this week. Uh, mm-hmm. As is most design, the costumes are all cohere perfectly. The only thing that doesn't work is the pating. 
is far too cute for what they're reacting to. The characters are all nice, although Brett Goldstein, Brett Goldstein and his CGI face were wasted. Are you aware of that, David? Brett, Brett Goldstein no. is the really, really handsome man in this. And he's in that new show, Ted Lasso, about the football. And right. lots of people thought he was a CGI man. Because, <laughs> like, he just falls it's into the... symmetrical. Just falls into the uncanny valley. <laughs> so, like, people couldn't believe he was real. Yeah. Um, so he's the guy playing the, 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 the doctor who gets ejected? Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'll be honest, I think he's really wooden in this. Well, I think that's part I, of I, it. He's, like, people just don't believe he's real. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I don't know, he came across as a bit under-rehearsed mm. in this one, I felt. But like, I don't like knocking actors that much. He, but uh, He did do a brilliant speech. I think it was at the Emmys this year. Um mm where he won an award and he basically just stood up and went, look, I've been told I'm not allowed to swear. So this uh, speech is going to be really fucking short and then just walked off. <laughs> Good one. Good one. I'm going to have yeah. to edit out the swearing. Sorry for that. I was paraphrasing. It's fine. Right. Back to James. He says, it's a yes. fun, fast paced adventure. The biggest problem it really had was that the music was terrible. It works against the pacing with slow atmospheric stuff when we needed more action music. I reckon this episode would be loved more if it weren't for that. Hmm. Just to tease next week, I think that that one has some of the best and some of the worst uses of music this series. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think I might very respectfully disagree with James on that one. I really like um, Sagan Akinola's score for this episode. It probably comes second after the uh, set design for me in terms of my highlights of the episode as a whole. Right, well, we'll see next week, because if you beat him in the Wheelie Big Quiz, then you can be right. That can be your additional <laughs> prize. Wouldn't that be nice? Okay. Wouldn't it be nice? What if, we, what if we eventually we just found the one Doctor Who fan who is actually correct? Um, I... <laughs> and we could, all, we could all just stop arguing with each other I mean, David, and just you, defer you, to... <laughs> You've been recording a podcast with him for three years now. <laughs> is that you admitting you're a Doctor Who fan? No, I realised I'd said too much there. <laughs> the Saranga conundrum. Uh, on to the final tweet. Do you, yep. want, do you want to say hello to BT Flibbity Giggard again? Hello there, and congratulations on besting me. Yeah. I, you, you are upset. I could sense the scorn in your voice there. Like, oh, that was no sword. Congratulations for besting me. Hello. I'm not a sore loser, Matt. No. Come on. No. You're not a sore You've... loser. You're just a loser. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, BT says, I actually quite like this one, mostly because it has a lot of things that I just generally like in my Doctor Who. Base Under Siege, yes, and it's a solid one. The Doctor being wrong and being called out on it, right at the beginning, completely was justified, and I wish there was more of it. An antagonist that's a force of nature rather than evil. Yes, and the Pating is a great version of that. It reminds me of that quote from the pilot. Hunger looks very like evil from the wrong end of the cutlery. The side characters aren't the deepest, but they all have their roles to play within the story. And I don't feel like it was too overstuffed. 
There's the ongoing problem of the companions not having enough to do, but I can overlook that because of how much I enjoy the story overall. This might be Whittaker's most doctory episode yet. I love the little exchange with the General about her having a volume in the history books. I'm a big fan of future civilizations, knowing who the Doctor is in general, actually. I love how she takes charge when things go haywire, giving everyone on board a job to do, and keeping people calm in a very stressful situation. I love the whole bit where she talks about what she's Doctor of. Hope, mostly, is such a succinct way of putting it that drives to the heart of what 13 is about. The part where she's nerding out about the 67th century tech is mostly great, but it gets into one of my tiny nitpicky issues with this episode. And I really do only have nitpicky issues with this episode. Don't get me wrong at all. But most of those nitpicky issues are ones that turn into full-on issues later in the season. So I want to bring them up now so that I can call back to them when the time comes. Mm -hmm. This is progress. Things get smaller, faster and cheaper. This is like the iPhone version of CERN. This bit really rubs me the wrong way. It feels like a very utilitarian viewpoint for the Doctor to take. Things are better because they give a certain advantage and damn the consequences. Maybe it's the iPhone comparison that really gets me. With everything we know about the horrible working conditions and environmental impacts of modern tech, it just feels wrong to tout the iPhone as pure progress like that. Or maybe I'm completely insane and should stop nitpicking. I also have some slight issues with how the Yoss storyline plays out. I really like what it does with Ryan's character. He has justified resentment against his father, but at the same time he's really considering the difficulties his dad faced and how he would react in the same situation at the same stage of his life. Maybe the fact that I love that bit uh, so much makes the Yoss conclusion ring hollow to me. Yoss has reasons, good reasons, to give his or any kind of explanation of what that means. So him turning on a dime makes me feel more worried for him and his child's future than be hopeful about it. Then again, my younger sister opted for an open adoption when she got pregnant as a teenager, and my whole family has stayed in close contact with my niece, including me. So maybe I'm biased in favour of that and would have rather had an exploration of the complications of adoption, making this whole storyline not resolved to my personal taste. I don't know, it's a very personal and very nitpick. As I said, I very much enjoyed this episode and would overall say it's one of the strongest of season 11, at least for me. I just have some nitpicks that tie into my overall thoughts on other episodes in this season in general. Excellent. As always, very well detailed and well reasoned thoughts there. Um, some stuff that I think we'll probably pick up on later in, in, in our discussion. The one thing I will say up front, because obviously Matt isn't aware of what's coming up later in the season, uh, but BT, I totally get where you're coming from with, with the iPhone thing. I, you know, I, I can see how that maybe feeds into problems you might have with other episodes we've got coming up further down the pipeline, but I won't say any more than that. Um, is, is the Doctor going to fight an iPhone? <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be something? Um, I mean, we had evil sat-nav back in Series 4. Yeah, and we had headphones. when the sat-navs we... gassed everyone? When, the, when headphones turned everyone into Cybermen. Oh, yeah. That was such an RTD thing, wasn't it? Just like, what's the current technology? Oh, Can we make it just generically evil? I can't wait till he comes back. What's everyone going to oh. be afraid of these days? Like, petrol shortages. 
Uh, I would, it, he'd work something like that in for sure. I'm trying uh, to think what's the, like TikTok. Mm. Um, it's too. I'm not. I'm not jumping on the bandwagon of like, oh, this is going to be amazing, but uh, it sure as hell won't be boring. It's going to be so one... good. I, I if... want him to do new Doctor Who, but with like 2006 sensibilities. <laughs> you know. It's, I, it's going to be fascinating. I want it's everyone in... to be going on to searchwise.net or whatever it is and just like, <laughs> oh, imagine if it's absolutely shit because uh... like he just doesn't update anything. <laughs> Having said that, it genuinely, I would be up for it if his first episode of the new series, he does it as like a period piece episode set in 2005. Right, this is what Because by the time it comes out, it'll be 2023. It'll be like nearly two decades ago. Right, so ev- everything goes wrong for the Doctor, like Whitaker's Doctor. Yeah. Like, I've seen yeah. the new series is called Doctor Who Flux. So yeah. I-, I hope things go like really wrong and she loses all the companions and it's all terrible. So she thinks, right, I need to go back to a period in my life when I was happy. 2006, Rose Tyler. And just like, like totally rewrite history. Go back in time to the launch of RTD1, but just have the Doctor just like in the background. <laughs> just going like, uh, like, yeah. Yeah, it would be... That, imag- uh... Oh no, I was going to say, imagine if like the Doctor like, rejuvenated into, like, Mickey, but they're not getting him back anytime soon, are they? Is it wrong? <laughs> they're not, no. No. Um, I don't know. I've got, I've got, uh, my, I've got my season one yeah. notes in front of me because of the Wheeler Big Quiz. Let's see who the Doctor mm-hmm. could be. Imagine, right, David, this is it. I've got it, I've got it, yep. I've got it. They go back to 2006 because that's when they were happiest. They lose the TARDIS somehow. Mm-hmm. So they're stuck on Earth and they have to get a job like a unit, except they can't because Harriet Jones is in charge of unit and blah, 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 blah. So they start working at a department store and adopt the <laughs> moniker Wilson. <laughs> it all comes, it comes full, full circle. circle, ladies and gentlemen. Uh... Or loses their memory and becomes Clive. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. But then didn't oh, Clive man. get eaten by a wheelie bin? Uh, no, he was shot to death in a shopping mall by an autumn. Oh, yeah. I remember. In front of his wife and children. Oh, they were like hessian days of summer, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> like, I look um, back now and it's just like a watercolour painting, those episodes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's crack on then. Let's talk about the Saranga. What, what did you think of this episode? I will say, I was surprised at how generally positive the comments were in our Twitter feed. I was, I remember when this episode first went out, it got torn to pieces on most uh, of the, the, the online haunts I had at the time. Um, so maybe that was just the company I was keeping. I don't know. But for what it's worth, I don't think it's terrible... I think it's just oddly paced and 
there's just there's lots of weird little aspects of it that kind of make make it hard for me to kind of just fully embrace it so i'm gonna say overall good episode some bad bits but those bad bits are they come they come along fairly regularly and just kind of just rub me up the wrong way pretty much the whole way through so i find it hard to really just get on board and enjoy what about you, Matt? I'm going to. I'm going to assess this in three separate parts, David. Okay. Right. I'm going to give you the headline first. First of all, bad episode. Okay. Yeah. Great. Right. Got that out of the way. Second of all, boring episode. Mm-hmm. Third of yep. all, this episode is special. In I think I'm right in saying this is the fewest notes I've ever written for an episode. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Didn't even fill one side of A4. First, the thing is, there are so many characters in this story, but we learn so little about any of them. Yeah. Like, it usually... It's impossible to care about the majority of them. Usually, I know when I turn the page in my notes to keep writing that I've got about mm. 10, 15 minutes left. It's mm-hmm. usually about two-thirds on one page and a third on the other. Didn't even yeah. finish a page. Like, yeah. most of it is just people talking, but not really about anything. Though, I, I'll be honest, in some ways I had the opposite experience. And when I was watching it, um, I, I was just watching it on my phone for convenience. It was, you know, with where I was at the time. Um, were, you, were you on the toilet? I was not on the toilet. Okay. Um, I just wanted to clarify that for our listeners who will have all assumed <laughs> you were on the toilet. Um, but, so I, I, I watched a good chunk of it. Where, where were thought, you? Oh. <laughs> I was in my bedroom. Okay. Um, he was in the ensuite toilet then. <laughs> so I watched what I thought was a good chunk of it, right? And so I just sort of tapped the screen just to check. And I was like, oh, we must be getting up to the halfway point. And I was 13, epi- 13 minutes in. Yeah, despite nothing and, happening. But it felt, it felt like half an hour had passed. Yeah, well, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? And like, <laughs> seemingly never-ending this episode. Oh, I, yeah, I, I actually ended up watching it in two settings. I, I couldn't finish it on, on in one go. Um, and I'll tell you what. Because in this series, the episodes have jumped up from about 45 minutes to about 50. And weirdly, that extra five minutes makes them feel days longer. Yeah, they, 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 they do just drag a bit. And it's frustrating because in principle, like there were times in the Artie and Moffat era where it felt like they were cramming way too much into 45 minutes. It's just like, oh, I wish we could just have five more minutes just to let things breathe a little bit. But here it's like we've got that extra five minutes, but then the scripts are kind of slightly underwritten and there isn't quite enough to actually fill, fill that out. It's, and like I say, it's baffling to me that you've got so many characters in this story, but yet it still feels really sort of sparse and like it doesn't feel b- overly busy or anything. It feels like there's an awful lot of people just stood around not doing anything. Uh, mentioning no ma- names, cough, yes, cough. Uh, 
yeah oh man but look i don't just want to rag on this episode like i say gorgeous set design absolutely love that set design i, I like james's comment that it, it actually the central console makes a better tardis console than the than the one yeah. we've actually got well you can see it um, so that's a welcome change yeah <laughs> it's not just shrouded in darkness with a weird pink crystal in the middle um but yeah i don't know it on paper there's there's a lot to like about this episode but it just it doesn't it doesn't really come together for me anyway let's um let's just rattle through your notes quickly shall we right so we can call it a day this is the saranga conundrum season 11 this is episode 5 and it first aired on the 4th of November, 2018. Now, David, mm-hmm. if you want to jump in the TARDIS and go back to the 3rd of November, you could yes. listen to our fifth episode, Exhibits and Exterminations. Mm. It's when we reviewed Dalek. Yeah. Good episode. Better than this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I've watched that ten times before I've watched this again. So, Mm -hmm. this is written by Chris Chibnall. Yeah. Who has so far written or co-written every episode of this series. Yeah. Like, I I don't want to be one of those people that are like, you know, oh, the Chris Chibnall era is rubbish. Mm -hmm. But I think there's been more misses than hits for me so far. It's a rough start. It's a rough start. Um, I I don't want to say... I'm not. I don't want to spoil stuff for you at all. But what I will say is, uh, next week it is not a Chibnall penned episode. Okay. We get a different writer, so that in itself is exciting. And it's directed by Jennifer. I believe it's pronounced Perot or Perrot. I'm not sure to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, yeah. directed by Big Jen, Big Jenny P, who who certainly is not is. Is absolved from blame, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know. I don't think it's her fault. She does a lot of that old zoom right in on people's faces. There, there's a lot of that going. I think part of it there was they made a big deal at the start of this series, but in the run up to it, that they got new anamorphic lenses to make it look more filmic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of the issue with that is that it, like, they're harder to focus with, like to get. Either foreground, you're either getting foreground or back. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm not. I'm not an expert on cameras at all. Um, but I think that's part of the reason why they ended up relying a lot on quite tight close-ups on actors' faces. So that doesn't. I don't think that goes away this series. To be honest, mm. it's one of those things that I probably wouldn't have picked up on, but since it got pointed out to me. I can't help but notice it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely in that category for me as well. Right, so we open with the TARDIS team looking for something on Cephalin 27. Mm-hmm. And even at the end of the episode, it's never resolved what it is they're looking for. Nope, doesn't matter. Now, look forward to that coming back next week, see what we were looking for. Uh, Spoiler alert, you will not find out. I think we will. I think we will. I'm going to make a note of that. Right. Graham finds something bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we can just tally that. Graham has done something this week. 
Hey, one point well in the Graham. Well done, Graham. Uh, and as he's found something, it's a sonic mine. Mm-hmm. It counts down and explodes, and they awaken in a space hospital. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, later in the episode, there's a big revelation where it's like, oh, we're not on a hospital, we're on a spaceship. I, yeah. I think I worked that out in about 20 seconds. <laughs> I, it looks like a spaceship set, doesn't it? I've even written, they're aboard the Saranga. Like, they don't say, oh, you're in Saranga Hospital. They yeah, just say, yeah. you're on the Saranga. Yeah, it really does just feel like the Doctor is being very slow on the uptake. Yeah. So, the Doctor is still pretty injured and a bit out of it, and is worried that she's lost the TARDIS. Okay, they wander into the quarters of General <laughs> Eve Cicero. Yeah. Who is Pooley and has an android and a brother. And yeah. the brother played by Doc Brown. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of Taskmaster fame. Yeah, I, I'm kind of annoyed with myself. I hadn't I hadn't picked up on that. Like, I, I the whole episode was like, I feel like I've seen him in something else. I, I, I recognise that guy, but I never really thought of him as an actor. Yeah. When, so, yeah. as well as Taskmaster, I've seen him... I think he does quite a bit with Ricky Gervais. Right. He's in the David Brent film. He's in Derek. Um, I can't remember what else I've seen him in. He's in an episode of The Inbetweeners where he plays a drug dealer. Oh, I haven't I haven't rewatched The Inbetweeners since it came out. Mm. That's probably due a rewatch at some point. Yeah, so he's just one of those people that's in everything. He just pops up, yeah. 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 Um now, I mean, I, I will again, say something a bit controversial. No, go in, for it. In just about everything I've seen him in, he like raps, and I don't think he's very good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, he's better than me, but like, just... I don't know. Yeah, because isn't he? I think his day job is stand up, isn't it? And like, yeah, I think he does a lot of rapping in his stand up. Do you know set. what? I've, I've I've actually seen him live. Now, now that you? I've said, now you've said that, I went to go watch a recording live of a football podcast that I follow. Yeah. And he was the warm-up act. Oh, right. And he did, like, a full stand-up show about football. Right. Yeah. He was quite good. Yeah, like, I, I don't think he's bad in this, but, I, he's, again, he's given nothing to do. Yep. Yeah. Right, so... Everyone just keeps wondering. Mm-hmm. Uh, they meet a pregnant man. And this is where we find out it's a ship, not a hospital. Mm-hmm. They are four days flight away from the TARDIS. And the doctor questions why the nurse is worried. That's that handsome nurse, Brett Goldstein. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I didn't write his name down. Um, so... It turns out that the ship is on autopilot away from the TARDIS and heading to Rhesus One. Mm-hmm. And this is where they notice an incoming vessel on the radar. So something's flying through space. It looks like it's a missile or something. Mm-hmm. And it breaches the ship's shields. So before we go any further into that plot line, I, I do want to pick up on 
the fact that I I love how much of an asshole the Doctor is up until that point in this scene. Like she's disorientated from from the effects of the sonic mine, but she is just being belligerent and like aloof with the staff and um it, it, and she gets called out on it and then kind of the penny drops and i think that's a really interesting character mo- moment for um this doctor mm. so i just kind of wanted to highlight that and i think i think uh, Whitaker's performance is very good in that scene so whatever it is that has breached the ship appears to be a creature of some sort mhm and it's the moment we've all been waiting for david yeah it's the point Every Chris Chibnall episode's got one where they get injected with a communication device of some sort. <laughs> this week it's a com dot. I don't think we've had a com dot recently. Yeah, um, to be fair, that one's. I don't think it's an injection, is it? Oh, is it's it? still a little Maybe patch on the neck or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So I put a big red star next to that. Just thought, every week, man. <laughs> Why don't they just write it in the plot where just one week they don't lose the TARDIS? <laughs> you know, like, do you think they're sat in the writer's room and he's just like, right, we, we haven't got a com dot this week. Get rid of the TARDIS. Just, it, it, there's a mine. Just get rid of it. I don't want it anywhere near this story. How else can we get the com dots in? Just like Any... <laughs> every bloody week, right? Yeah. Graham is having a talk with Durkas, so congratulations, Graham. You've done two things this week. Yeah. Ryan and Yaz. <laughs> yeah. Up you go. Yeah. So he's taking an early lead there. So he's yeah. talking to Durkas. That's Eve Cicero's brother, mm-hmm. uh, played by, as we said, Doc Brown, who is concerned that Eve is ill. Yeah. Okay, whilst the Doctor and Astos are hunting the creature, uh, Astos approaches it, gets locked inside one of the escape pods, and is jettisoned off into space. Yeah. So, I I don't know, there's like... I, I just felt there was a massive division between... At this point, the, the creature seems to be quite uh, sinister in its actions. Yeah. But then when yeah. we see it later, it's just acting on, like, primal instinct. Yeah. You know, is is the Pating really clever? Clever no, enough? No, it, it, is, it is explained later in the episode, but it's but, it's all just that it's just feeding off energy, isn't it? Yeah, but how is it clever enough to know when he's in there, I need to escape, pull this lever, and then press jettison? I don't think it is. What? I think... Um, I think it was just sort of like... Um, a massive convenience. Mm, I think so, basically. Oh, man. Yeah. Right, so, the Doctor approaches the creature. This is the first time we see the Pating, David. Yeah. Uh, so, I've written a brief description. I'd, I'd love to hear your description of the Pating. It's a little slug frog. <laughs> I mean, yes, it is. You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, now... Interesting. Um, I have thoughts when it comes to the Bating. One, it is so obvious that they're trying to 
make a cute alien that they can market toys of. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like like Chibnall is chasing after that adipose money here. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, I mean, it's weird that the adipose became one of the most heavily merchandised aspects of the RTD era, <laughs> but they were. Yeah, I, I've um, even seen in Waterstones you can buy a little stretchy adipose. Yeah, I mean, it's bizarre, but, like, there was something... What's that word? Isn't it? Is it a word that George Lucas used to use? Toyetic. Yeah. That that it just has a toy like quality, and you definitely get that with with the pating. I I'm, I don't know if you can get plushy patings and whatnot, but uh, it wouldn't surprise. You can me. definitely because I listened to the Married to Who episode on this episode. You can definitely get mm. a pating Funko Pop. Yeah, yeah. But... but by now, I think you can even get Funko Pops of me and you, David. <laughs> it's only it's only a matter of time. I think we were officially we... the last two people on Earth to get a Funko Pop made of us. <laughs> Um, and sadly, they they look more or less identical because we're both bearded, bespectacled men. Yeah, mine's a little taller. Yours has got longer hair, but other than that, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, what 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 else was I going to say about the pating? Now, this is a theory I've got. I haven't researched it. I don't know if this is true or not, or whether this is just me. You know, putting two to get two together and making five, but the way the actors react to the pating and the way it's written in the script, it feels like they hadn't settled on a design for the alien. And initially, when Chibnall was writing the script, he maybe envisioned something less overtly cute. Because there is no reference at any point into the script. Normally, when you get an alien that's like sort of cute but vicious, then you've got that moment where a character is like, oh, look at it. And then it bears its teeth. And, you know, yeah, if you think about the the cat from Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, it's a bit of a trope, but I feel like you almost kind of need that. You need that textual acknowledgement that on a surface level, this this creature's kind of kind of cute looking. We don't get that here. They react just like it's a creepy, horrible monster from the get go. And there's a kind of disjointedness there for me. Mm-hmm. Um that I think it would have been easy to fix if they had decided beforehand what the pating was going to look like. But I have a feeling that those actors, all they knew was, well, it's going to be about yay big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's that. I could be wrong. Right. Right. So the pating is basically in the ship. It eats the Doctor's sonic screwdriver. Yeah, uh, don't worry, that doesn't last. No. So, Eve Cicero... Again, that, that could have been interesting, couldn't it? Imagine if um, if she would, had to go Sonic-free for the rest of the series. Well, she'd just go back to Earth and knock one up in a garage. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> you know, we David, we've already been down this path this series. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember being heartbroken, like, what is going to happen? And then we just got, like, a mm. funny comedy montage, and she made a new one. Mm. Right, so Eve Cicero appears to be up to something. Yeah, uh, they do... a lot of talk of adrenaline blockers. Yeah, I I thought she was gonna. Ha- I know later it's like 
oh, she might have a heart attack if she has too much adrenaline mm-hmm. or whatever. I thought it was going to be like, she'll be like the Hulk and she'll turn into an absolute adrenaline killing machine. Mm. I, I thought that's how they were going to fight the Pating, but... It's not that kind of show, is it? No. I, I'm certain I saw once, and it might have been like something like Steve Irwin, and he mm. said, if you're being chased by a rhinoceros, the safest thing to do is climb up a tree and then get a branch long enough that you can like swipe at the rhinoceros. And you might be able to give it an adrenaline-induced heart attack. But now I'm older, I don't believe that's the case. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm certain, like, I saw that on a legitimate wildlife programme. But, like, Maybe. basically the safest way to escape a rhinoceros is get it so angry it just dies. <laughs> That can't be true, but okay. Cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know where I heard that. Right. Uh, they do a quick Google search on the Pating and find out it can eat anything. Yeah. And David, fear no more. Yes. Yaz and Ryan talk to the pregnant man for a bit. They do something this episode. Oh, thank so, goodness, eh? So, Graham's still in the lead, but they have done mm-hmm. something. Uh, Ryan talks about his parents. His mum had a heart attack when he was 13. He was the one that found them. Okay. Yeah. Now, it's just, it's just a nice, touching thing. And, you know, it's good backstory to have for Ryan. Fleshes out his character and stuff. It, but it does feel kind of weird that he and Yaz are stopping to have this really, you know, slow, tender, heart-to-heart chat in the middle of a, a full-on crisis situation. Do you know what I mean? Mm. They're just like, uh, we're going to, you know, we've got a briefing with the doctor in five minutes. Should we just, let's just, you know, very leisurely just wander around and have this have this chat. Like, oh, you've got, you, you had a really sad uh, childhood, didn't you? It's like, it, it kind of kills all the tension and momentum of the episode. Yeah, like, if you go back to Rosa when they're sat behind that bin talking about racism, it makes sense because the drama is in the room that they're being hunted and they obviously Mm -hmm. can't be there. But here, they could be helping out. Yeah. (laughs) At the very least, walk with a sense of urgency. Yeah. They are strolling down that corridor. I I just think... I'm going to say it. I think Yaz and Ryan are totally superfluous. They haven't done a lot to earn their keep so far. No. <laughs> I'll put it that way. No. Right. The Doctor questions what the Pating wants. Uh, and they find out that when they reach Reese's One, if the Pating is detected on board, when they pass through some scans, the ship will be destroyed. It's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like anti-contamination, isn't it? Mm-hmm. They can't afford the Pating to reach the planet. So the safest thing to do is to blow the ship. Okay. Whilst this is happening, the pregnant man's water breaks. And they try to make a plan to reroute the ship manually. So they contact Rhesus One and say, no, there's no pating, don't worry about it. Uh, But they need to take control of the ship themselves. Yeah. Okay. The Doctor is advised to study Eve Cicero to try and find out what's wrong with her. 
and they go to the antimatter drive because they work out if the pating reaches that, if it eats it, then the ship is doomed anyway. It'll either blow up mm -hmm. or just float through space, you know, into the asteroid field. And again, we're in full-on crisis mode situation here, but don't worry, everyone. Let's stop and have a little science lesson. Yeah. So, Yaz and the android guard the antimatter drive. So currently, yeah. all the companions have done two things so far. I'm keeping score this week. I want to see who's the most useless. Mm. Okay. Uh, they agree they're going to take a new path to Rhesus 1 through the asteroid field. And yeah. we find out that Eve Cicero has got a pilot's heart. Now, that's not a good thing, like Top Gun. It's mm -hmm. a surge of adrenaline around the heart. If she stops taking medication, she's going to have a rhinoceros heart attack. Yeah. Okay. So, Dirkus, Eve's brother, reprograms the path of the ship. And I've just put this, David, because I didn't really know how this was going to play out in the long run. But I've just put the man giving birth still has his trousers on. <laughs> I never spotted that. But okay, yeah. Because I was like, how are they going to do this? Because he's, <laughs> he's got his feet in stirrups, but he's still got his chinos on. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, there was no big wet patch from when his water broke, so there's a no. continuity error. Mm. Okay. So, Yaz and the android stun the pating, wrap it in a blanket and kick it down the corridor. Yeah, now... Surely Yaz gets a point for that. Yeah, so she's in the lead now. Yeah. She's up to three. And it's quite good because I can't remember the name. It's something Chamberlain. But that is the England women's goalkeeper. Because mm -hmm. um, obviously at this point it would have been the whole Women's World Cup united against Trump, basically. Right. So I think that's why it was quite re relevant. Potentially, I, I assume I assumed that she was referring to a real footballer there. Yeah, like I say, I think it was from because this would have aired pretty much exactly at that point. So, right, yeah. Um, so yeah, they boot it down a corridor, and Eve Cicero says, "I'm going to pilot the ship." When the Doctor realizes the Pating is eating all the energy sources. And the Doctor works out that the ship's too far away from <laughs> Rhesus 1 to be shot down by missiles, so there must be a bomb on board. So she works out underneath the hyperdrive, there's a little bomb. Again, it's self-detonating to prevent contamination. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, I, I, I get on paper why they've come up with this concept, but... What kind of future civilization is intentionally sticking bombs on hospitals? I don't know. It's a bit odd when you take a step back, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's all a bit... <laughs> bit weird. David, while, yeah. whilst we're just talking, do you want to say hello to uh, Joseph Buckle? Sure. Hello, Joseph Buckle. Who's literally just started following us on Twitter, just as we're talking there. Ooh. How exciting. I'm going to send him a nice message. Okay. Glad to have you on board. Yeah. Uh, do you want to write some really big quiz questions for a couple of weeks' time? <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. 
Right. And Graham and Ryan start delivering the baby. So it's three all this week. Okay. Uh, the Pating eats the baby. It, it's the baby, it's the bomb, sorry. <laughs> that would have been a very different episode. Yeah, sorry. I, I was reading one line ahead. Uh, so the Pating yeah. eats the baby and is jettisoned. I also mm -hmm. thought, like, I thought the explosion was going to be bigger. I wondered whether they were going to blow up the Pating, but it's got a stomach of iron. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it just and again it just absorbs that energy from that bomb. That's all it wants. Yeah. Uh, so they jettison it out into space. It does a little flight into space. Cicero, sorry, Eve Cicero. I just called a Cicero. What can I say? Notes. I just want to say as well because that was that's basically uh, you know au revoir Pating, and I feel like I was very you know I was very nitpicky earlier about the Pating. I want to be clear. I actually do love it. I think it's a great concept for a, a Doctor Who monster. Um, and, yeah, great. Of, of all the things that you can moan about in this episode, the Pating is probably one of the least. It's, it's, a, it's a great concept. I don't want to see it again. Yeah? Yeah. One and done with a Well, Pating. it's very one note, isn't it? How how could you do a Pating story without retreading the ground from this episode? Five Patings. Yeah, but then you've just gone from alien to aliens there, haven't you? Yeah. What's okay. what's the third one gonna be? They're in some sort of deep space prison monastery. Okay, uh really big Pating. Uh, I don't know. Really big one. I don't know. Big enough that it could fight a statue of liberty like Weeping Angel. Yeah. Just have those two duking it out for an episode. Yeah. Don't even have the Doctor in the episode. No. <laughs> Imagine that. If they just... That would be ballsy. <laughs> if it was just like loads of Daleks having a fight with Cybermen and the do Doctor wasn't even there. <laughs> or the TARDIS lands right at the end. The door opens and it just goes, Oh, I guess we're too late. See ya. And just flies off. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, so yeah Eve Cicero and Durkas reconcile the baby is born uh, with Ryan and Graham's help mm -hmm. Durkas has to pilot the ship because Eve dies and they're all going to be teleported back to the TARDIS once they've been spoken to about investigate uh, sorry by investigators about the Pating Mm -hmm. And it all ends with the morning Eve Cicero. Uh, before we get there, let's not skip over the the scene where Ryan persuades the father of the baby to keep him because obviously he'd been kind of he'd initially wanted to give the child up for adoption, and you know it was something that BT mentioned in his comments as well. It's an awkward one, isn't it? Because like. With Brian's backstory, you totally understand why he would have those strong feelings that he does mm. about that. But I can't imagine it would be a nice feeling for anyone um, watching that episode who a either was adopted or had ever given a, a child up for adoption. Yeah. You know, there are legitimate reasons to do that. And 
this this kind of blanket assumption like oh you're you're his real dad so you've just got to you know you're not going to be perfect but you just got to give it a go no matter what you know like if you genuinely he feels like it's not in this child's best interests for him to 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 be the father I've got to say, you've probably got to respect that decision that's his to make. And it's like, if he's feeling that now, what if that only grows with time and you've, in the short term, you know, whilst he's an emotional wreck because he's just given birth, you you persuade him into keeping the, the child, but then two years down the line, he's just, you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's... It feels very surface level in its thinking about about these kinds of issues. Yeah, it's like I I, I see what they're trying to do. Yeah, but it's I, I don't want to say it's insensitive because I don't think they intentionally went for that. I just no. think it's a bit clumsy, a bit thoughtless, a bit careless. Cl- Clumsy is exactly the word I would use to describe it, yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, I, I don't know. And again, it, 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 it feeds back into this, this sense that, like, it feels like Chibnall's script so far for this series just they all needed an extra polish. Just one more pass, fresh pair of eyes maybe, just to point out some of these flaws and... and um, clunkier moments because mm. like there's like, every every single episode so far has had these scenes where it's just you just a bit like oh what, what are we doing here yeah like uh, i was so worried that's what they were going to do with rosa parks but yeah weirdly <laughs> that seems to be the one episode that kind of dodges it the most yeah um and also is the one episode that was co-written with another writer. yeah yeah yeah. Um, but anyway, look. Um, to be clear, I am not here. I I'm not interested in just hauling Chibnall over the coals every week for the next uh, however many weeks. That's going to get very tedious for for everyone listening. Um, but we ca- I can't I can't just ignore things that rub me up the wrong way when when they're right there in front of me. Mm. So. Um, okay, anyway, yeah, so it ends on this kind of, like, funereal note with the Doctor sort of, like, joining in with this weird space prayer. Yeah, and it's weird, like, there's, like, an assumption that everyone knows with that. It's like... Yeah. Remember when I said a few weeks ago I went to a funeral and everyone was singing All Things Bright and Beautiful, different? Mm. It's like yeah. that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and I, I, I okay, and I I've acknowledged before I'm I'm probably a bit hypersensitive when it comes to things that smack of organised religion. I have some baggage as far as that goes. Oh really? Um, I don't think you've ever mentioned that. <laughs> you should really talk about that more often. <laughs> I'm amazed we don't lose more listeners when I do, um, but. So yeah, that that doesn't that doesn't sit easily with me that that final moment either because there is this sort of like to me it feels like there is this assumption like oh yes we all just 
like you know when you're forced to to recite the lord's prayer in school and that kind of thing it's just like um participation in in religion through uh, not that it's ever made explicitly religious but it, it has that tone and and tenor doesn't it um so yeah i don't know odd odd note that it ends on for me this one i but the, the, like i say there are elements that i love i do think that like when when the episode doesn't slow slow down and sort of grind to a halt in weird ways so so Ryan and Yaz can have a bit of backstory chat or the Doctor can do a little science lesson about particle accelerators. Um, it can be quite a tense little runaround. Um, it's not terrible. I just... I don't think it's good enough. Amen. Ultimately. Ultimately. <laughs> Um, uh, yes. Is, is there anything else we need to cover this week, or should we just recite the Lord's Prayer and say goodbye? <laughs> well, I need to tell you what we're going to be watching next week, Matt. Okay. Uh, we are going to be watching Demons of the Punjab. Of the Punjab, was that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I hope it's not a retreading of Rosa, but this time it's with Yaz. Uh-huh. Um, um, I thought you were going to say with, with the demons, you know, from the Third Doctor story. Oh, my word. <laughs> it's the sequel. Imagine. Imagine if Box back. How, how is demon spelt for this episode? Sadly, there is no A. It's right. just D-E-M. So it's not the demons from Deimos? No, sadly not. Right, well. I'll, just, I'll, I'll straight up spoil that for you. It, it's, it's not to be. But yeah, right, well, and as I say, first episode of the series not written by Chris Chibnall, so... It's probably best of the series, I imagine. Mm. We shall have to wait and see, won't we? Um, but until then, as always, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And cheerio. Don't forget to donate to the Wheelie Big Quiz. Thank you for listening to neither the time nor the space if you wish to contact us our email address is time nor space pod at gmail.com and on twitter we are at time nor space pod and thank you to alexander urban for his smashing arrangement of the doctor who theme the saranga conundrum